Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and best practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from cgsinc.com. Let's see what this is all about. Listen up. Digital transformation is a fundamental reality for businesses today. Organizations of all sizes realize that to delay digital transformation further is to risk obsolescence. And it's up to a company's leadership team to commandeer this revolution while ensuring business continuity. That's the quote. It's packed with important messages for our audience all around the world. So let me ask a couple of questions here. Is your company's transformation at risk of falling short? Is it just not where you want it to be? Well, maximizing value from new technologies, and that's what this is about, requires an evolutionary mindset. I didn't say revolutionary, I said evolutionary. Find out why you might not be seeing the gains you expect and how to rise to the challenge with a built-to-evolve kinetic enterprise. And it also takes a new way of thinking about technical debt, the human experience, and much more. So stay with us for the next, oh, let's see, the next 53, 54 minutes for a kinetic enterprise unlocking the true potential of enterprise transformations. As the gentleman said, I'm Bonnie D. Graham, producer and host. Happy to be here. And I have two gentlemen from Deloitte who are going to help us explore this topic and come up with some great thought leadership insights for our audience around the world. So in a moment, I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves. First will be Paul Kahana. He spells his last name K-H-A-N-N-A. And joining him and me is Gautam Mylavarapu. I do know how to pronounce his last name. So Paul Kahana, welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise Good morning, wherever you are in the world. I know you travel a lot. And why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners, please, Paul? Hey, Bonnie. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, listen, I've been in the technology-enabled business transformation industry for over 25 years. So I started in supply chain transformation, moved into finance, and now I'm solving for the human experience. Um, I currently lead Deloitte's global SAP innovations and assets teams. Um, and they're responsible for developing next-generation innovations for our clients you know, to have measurable impacts for their initiatives. You know, and I love doing that job uh, because it's really it changes every day, Bonnie. Like, as you can imagine, you know, we mm-hmm. live in an incredible time to be innovative, creative, and artistic in everything we do. Uh, and, you know, being a, a nerd, if you will, on the, on the technology side, I think I found my, my era to really uh, you know, bring change in a positive way to, uh, to, to the businesses I work with. Thank you very much, Paul. Very interesting. You say it changes every day. That reminds me how I used to feel about playing racquetball. It's every game, every shot is different and fresh and new. There's an excitement of what's mm. coming next. Do you find that the companies you work with, Paul, are, are excited about this, or is there some trepidation, the sense of what if we don't, what if we do? I mentioned the risk of obsolescence in my opening. What's, what's the mood out there? Uh, I think that's a really relevant uh, analogy, you know, in terms of, you know, the balls uh, bounce very differently all the time. Uh, I think the mood out there is, you know, change is a coming, um, and the importance of around embracing that change is greater than, than ever. So I still think there's a challenge around embracing change, but I think it's like, you know, you know you need to do it, right? And I think that's what's, uh, what a lot of the people I talk to is, okay, I know I need to do it, where and how. Uh, and what is really going to make a difference. Um, but it is, there is a, a hump that, that organizations still need to get over. And I still find there's a lot of people who are, you know, thinking they're still in a cave and they're like, you know, I, I'm okay. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, my, my competitors are never going to catch up to me. Um, and, and, you know, I think those, there, there's still a lot of those out there as well. Thank you very much for the reality check. I appreciate that. Let me go one stop around the table to our other guest today, Gautam Mylavarapu. Gautam, welcome, and tell everybody what you do and, and your take on the mood out there, as I put it. Uh, Bonnie, I'm really excited to be here. This is one, of, one, of, my, one of the topics that I'm truly passionate about, um, Kinetic Enterprise and unlocking its true potential and underlying that. Um, I'm a technologist. I started my life um, as an engineer, programmer. Um, then 
for about five years, I did supply chain transformations and then uh, I kind of felt bored. Uh, I felt the need to come back to home uh, doing programming and technology. Uh, and I'm part of Deloitte, Office of CTO, driving uh, enterprise transformations enabled by the newer age technologies. Um, the mood is uh, actually it's 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 in a it's in a great state, right? I mean, this is like the the storm has just started. I mean, that's the mm. feel you can see. But then, uh, close to two thirds of the organizations. Um, are seeing that they don't have the clarity of the vision. And that is that is exactly where it is. They know change is coming and change is constant. Everybody understands that. They just don't know how to navigate that sea. And then they have not defined that path. And that is what is limiting them to embrace newer technologies or if they start the transformation journey, embrace it in the right way uh, so that they can unlock the true potential. And that's why we are here to talk a little bit more about this. We are. And let me ask you a question, Gautam. I'm looking back at my opening and the concept of evolutionary mindset. And I mentioned that it's about leadership, right? It's about uh, at the top, an evolutionary mindset, how you can rise to the challenge, the technical debt, the human experience, and more, and talk about a leadership team. How do you get this into the heads of the leadership team? You say some people think, well, competitors, well, we, we're still doing well and we don't need this and we don't need that. How do you get into the mindset to tell them that it, they have to evolve? Is it writing on the wall? They're losing sales. They're losing business. Their bottom line is is tanking. Is this a, a, a meeting of the, the reality check? Or is this something where you can go in perhaps as a consultant and say, this is what your situation is right now, and this is where we know you want to be. Let's talk. How does how does that process work? Just briefly, Gautam. Yeah, that's that's a that's a very very valid question. Um, if your sales are declining, um, if you're not meeting your business case, that's a very easy conversation. They mm-hmm. already know that something has to fundamentally change. We can always help them with data to prove out what needs to change. And data is pretty evident. Um, it is the the tricky ones are those who will end up in this state in the next three, four, five years, uh, etc. They're just not realizing it. Things are going well. The focus is on cost reduction. Um, so it's it's all about that, right? So this is goes back to Clay Christensen's innovators dilemma, right? I mean, they're mm-hmm. looking at everything is going well. My profits are good, but then a fundamentally different wave is coming through that's going to just sweep you and no matter what you do, you're just going in. And that is where the mindset change, and this is classically addressed by Clickerson's and uh, excellent right, throughout the year. So I think that's where is the, the secret sauce uh, to talking to the executives. Interesting. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm just going to read the title of that book. If anybody doesn't know it, the title is The Innovator's Dilemma, When New Technologies Cause Great Firms to Fail, generally referred to as The Innovator's Dilemma. It was published back in 1997. Can you imagine that? That's 23 years ago. It's the best-known work of Harvard professor and businessman Clay Christensen. Very, very interesting. Thank you for bringing that up. Gentlemen, this is the part of the show where you have each sent me a quote that has technically on the surface nothing to do with our topic today and you're going to tell us how you pick the quote and how it relates to the topic and by the way for those just tuning in this is the kinetic enterprise built to evolve presented by deloitte and our topic is unlocking the true potential of enterprise transformation it's a really important topic because you have to transform the question is how do you get to your goals how do you reach that place where you're really going to see success using the digital transformation as a platform so i'm talking today with paul kahana and guatam mylavarapu both at deloitte and a shout out to uh, malia aguilar to Carla Neal and to Helen Thomas who are behind the scenes. Thank you. Uh, the ladies behind the scenes putting the show together and I appreciate great editorial calendar this year. 
Guatam, I'm looking at your quote. You sent a quote spoken by Red from the Shawshank Redemption in 2019, the 1994 drama based on Stephen King's novella, Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption, celebrated 20 years since its release. I'll read the quote in a second. It's a story of a banker. I don't know anybody who hasn't seen this, whether it's in the, in the movies, in the theaters, or on TV. I saw it on TV. The story of a banker convicted of a double homicide. Andy Dufresne, played by Tim Robbins, maintains his innocence and finds a way of surviving 19 years of harsh prison life, all the while creating an unlikely bond with fellow convict Ellis, nicknamed Red Redding, played by the in, incredible Morgan Freeman. And the movie didn't do really, really well, but it got so many Academy Award nominations and word of mouth that it became one of the highest grossing movie rentals and most watched films on cable TV ever. So there's hope. So here's the quote Guatama selected from Shawshank Redemption. I find I'm so excited that I can barely sit still or hold a thought in my head. Guatama, talk to me. Digital transformation. What is Red saying? <laughs> Actually, this is nothing, nothing to do with digital transformation. But there's two things to it. <laughs> One is like, you know, when you asked me to send a quote and about this topic, I kind of sent you what I felt. Uh, I was feeling like red. I'm trying to get on this show and talk about this amazing Pacific, which is blue, where, you know, we're going to have this amazing topic, right? So I was kind of telling you about this feeling that I was going through. But then, interestingly, there's another backstory to this. Um, mm-hmm. I have not watched this movie in the theater. Uh, I have not even know that this has got Academy of Actors was happening when I was in uh, middle school. Um, so, kind of, after I came to U.S. and uh, I got myself a blockbuster uh, rental subscription, and I kind of got exposed to this movie. Uh, and then I watched it for like 25 or 30 times straight, renting back and back and back. I love this movie so much. And I brought Blockbuster is because Blockbuster is that company that got swept away with mm-hmm. Netflix or the previous version of Netflix, the DVD version, which kind of come swept through. Now Netflix itself has evolved. A stark difference between two companies, Blockbuster and Netflix. Netflix who disrupted um, the whole rental industry as well as disrupted itself with the online content market. And now it's disrupting um, you know, Hollywood, right? So I think this movie got introduced to me by a company which revolutionized but then didn't keep up and got swept away uh, due to digital transformation, right? So I think that's the backstory, both kind of tied together. Very, very interesting. So you picked, <laughs> I like that. I like that you picked a story. We do not have Paul back yet. We're still trying to get a good line. His line is bad. So I'm going to keep talking to you, Gautam. Um, tell me a little bit about where you are today. Let's just do a little filler before we get Paul back. So where are you? How much do you travel in your job? And what kinds of companies do you work with? And, and what do you, who do you meet? And we talked about the evolutionary mindset and leadership, thought leadership in a company and changing their perspective on how they have to digitally transform and embrace the ways to make it successful. So what, what, tell me a little bit about what you do. Absolutely. I'm based out of uh, uh, the, the tech Mecca uh, or tech Vatican, however you want to put it, uh, for base San Francisco Bay Area, uh, very close to companies that are disrupting uh, the entire way that we are living. Um, so I'm very, um, very happy to be here, fortunate to be here. Uh, I travel all over the place. Uh, uh, that's part of my life. Uh, um, and again, I'm, because I'm a technologist primarily, I'm cross-industry. Uh, mm-hmm. So these days, I'm uh, helping an oil and gas major in Canada go through an entire business transformation, uh, uh, you know, based on SAP, uh, S4HANA, and then uh, the digital suite of products on cloud. Uh, in parallel, I'm also helping a food uh, um, uh, uh, consumer product goods organization, uh, create a business case and a case for change. Uh, And then another medical device major um, in Northeast uh, who's ready to start the transformation journey, uh, creating a plan, an action plan on uh, understanding the true value of uh, technology that's available right now and then how to adopt that during this transformation journey. So three clients in three different uh, situations, 
helping them through the uh, through the journey with the same end goal in the mind which is get ready to become a kinetic enterprise uh, as you go through the transformation journey Thank you very much. Do you see, let's talk a little bit about industry. We're still waiting for Paul to come back. He's in a hotel and we're, we're trying to sure. reach his room. Uh, Guatam, do you see from industry to industry, do you see any that are more aware? Do you see any that are uh, more enlightened or more evolutionary? I know I deal with, uh, we have a, a podcast at SAP called The Future of Cars with Game Changers. We have one now called Future of Mobility and Manufacturing. We have one called Financial Excellence, and we've talked for years about how the office of the CFO, the finance department, has been a laggard, believe it or not, a laggard in technology. Are you seeing any industry that's really holding back? Yeah, um, so that's the unfortunate reality of life uh, that we constantly see, uh, like Barney, which is uh, if you are getting disrupted, you are more, you know, you're living, right? You're, you're, in, the, uh, you're in the storm, so you have to change. Uh, and then the external factors force you towards the change. So retail is seeing the disruption. Technology has been the disruptor and the disrupted. Uh, so they are very active and they know what's going on, they, what they need to do, and they, are, they know that they'll be disrupted in like a matter of five years. Um, right? So that's technology. Uh, um, there are consumer product goods uh, in some industries, uh, like cars, uh, are, are highly, you know, are in a highly volatile situation right now. They're getting disrupted. Uh, the essentially due to the nature of how we commute itself, right? So they are aware that something has to change, and they're working towards that. Uh, but there are these industries where the barrier of, barrier of entry is too high, um, like you know, mining or uh, um, you know, waste management, uh, you know, industrial resources, etc. Some industries that, because the competition has got a high barrier of entry, um, they're just not seeing the wave uh, that is potentially uh, coming underneath. It's like uh, uh, Sony Walkman, uh, music mm-hmm. industry, a bunch of these suddenly getting disrupted with iPod, which has got nothing to do with their industries uh, uh, combined together. Right, So that wave is going to come. Uh, it's just that they're not seeing. So there are definitely certain industries uh, where primarily their uh, their the barrier of entry of competition uh, competition is high. Um, mm-hmm. They are not seeing the change, but it, it's going to come to them, right? So I think that's where uh, uh, the state of the market is. Thank you very much. We have Paul Connor back. Paul, welcome back. We, we, we went through hoops, but we got you back. And I've been having a really good chat with Guatam talking about the differences in various industries in terms of the laggards, people who understand they have to evolve. That's part of what we talk about on this show, the kinetic enterprise built to evolve. And what I would like to do, Paul, is have you talk about the quote you sent me. So Paul's quote was from Anis Nin, and the quote is, and the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Again, it's it's a beautiful quote. I want to paint a picture on the side of my wall or on a pillow or a crochet something to, to use this quote. It's beautiful. Paul, welcome back. Talk to me. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, you know, that quote really, really resonates with me, um, not only personally, but professionally as well. You know, I think for many people and organizations, you know, they really struggled for the case to change, for that risk of fear. Um, and many organizations, like people, you know, essentially wait until they have really no choice. And then, and you know it, Bonnie, right? You know, they make mm-hmm. the change and they're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. You know, why didn't I do it sooner? Uh, and I think, you know, part of uh, the way I think about it now is that the opportunities are so great. Innovation is so amazing. Uh, there's a lot of creativity. There is a there's a mantra now, like, why not now? Why, why, you know, why is it, what is it holding us back uh, from into the unknown? And, uh, you know, the risk is so different. You know, before it was like, this is going to hurt my career. This is going to really uh, not work. Uh, it's too new. Uh, mm-hmm. And now we're facing a change, just as you mentioned earlier in the, in, the, in the show, around how much change is happening all the time. The, ba- the balls bounce around in different ways. And I think more, uh, more and more people are finding excitement in that and opportunities to really blossom. So I, that's why that, I like that quote. I use it all the time to talk to my clients around the case for change, and, you know, it really resonates. 
And and I think it's basically saying, take that leap, right, Paul? Take that leap of faith or take that leap where you don't have the faith because you have to. You have to take that risk. And that's what we're talking about today. Thank you, Paul. And right. welcome back. Uh, we're not going to take a break because we lost a little time getting Paul back. So I think what I'd like to do is, uh, well, first of all, Paul, let me catch you up to what I've been discussing with Guatam. I asked him in his travels around the world if he sees one industry versus another as not embracing change. I mentioned that we have a an SAP Game Changer show called Financial Excellence with Game Changers, where we have talked about the finance department, not the industry, the department, has been slow in adopting technical innovations, in adopting digital transformation. Uh, we have a show about cars. The question is, of course, cars seem to be on the forefront. The automotive industry, the manufacturing industry, making great strides in digitizing or digitalizing. I never know which word to use. And in terms of moving ahead and getting that Yes, we have to be more competitive. Yes, we have to be leaner and cleaner and meaner. And the competition's going to swallow us if we don't embrace all this. In, in your point of view, Paul, as you travel around the world for your clients, do you see any industry evolving faster than others? Yeah, I think we are seeing uh, maybe even the more traditional industries. Like, let's, I'll, I'll pick on automotive, for example, right? You know, automotive mm-hmm. was your heavy uh, industrial product type of, uh, you know, industry that, you know, they, they made cars, they made parts, et cetera, you know, pretty, you know, cut and dry, if you will. Um, but they are almost on the forefront of innovation. And it's not because of the car industry. It's because look, look what's happening with transportation in general, right? Consumer demand around uh, driverless cars, electric vehicles, more technology in the car, you know, have have the cars figure out uh, how to switch lanes. So the innovation in the automotive industry is outstanding, you know, you know even mm-hmm. surpasses, I think, and what we've seen in consumer products or mm. uh, even in telecom and media. So I think we're seeing all industries being impacted. There isn't anybody that's, like, you know, being left behind because I think there's uh, all the industries see a huge opportunity in front of them. So I, I think it's across the board, Bonnie. Thank you very much. Good to know. Good reality check for our listeners. Paul, we're going to dive right into the roundtable to catch up on time. So I'm looking at your first statement here. I'll read a little bit of it, ask you to expand it about two minutes, and then I'm going to bring in Gautam and ask him to comment, agree or disagree, and add some more flavor to it, add some more content to it. Then I'll pick one from Gautam, and I'll read a little bit of that, and I'll try to go through as many statements you each sent me because there's so much great content here, so much great thought leadership. So Paul told me the following before the show. He said, even with all this great technology and capability available, organizations still don't realize the full potential of moving to a more kinetic enterprise. They spend millions, millions of dollars or whatever their whatever their monetary value is, moving current processes and legacy applications into the cloud, and they don't get why they're not seeing true productivity gains. So maybe we could do a, a, a brief reality check on this, Paul. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, it's far easier to move to what you know you have than imagine something you don't have, right? And and, and that's just human nature, right? We we can't create if we can't figure it out, create it, we just typically use what works, right? So recall that many people, even to this day, inherit the processes and the people who built them are no longer around, you know, but, but those processes, these technologies, they persist for some reason. Um, and that could be um, multiple uh, reasons, right? Due to culture, the nature of the solution, uh, the belief that the solution can't be touched for fear it's just going to break something and, oh, my God, the universe is going to implode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and these are the sacred piles that really need to be evaluated and challenged if you're really going to move to being kinetic. You know, I would say I was one of those consultants that thought they had to solve for the future. You know, clients at the time... When I was in, you know, starting to do my career in big ERP transformations, you know, they said, you know, this was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. You know, they're spending gobs of money just trying to implement this technology so they can improve their businesses, et cetera. So our mantra was we better build something that was going to last, something that was going to be bulletproof. So we built massive monolithic systems that did super complicated things, um, everything from supply chain to the human chain had to be, uh, you know, like, built to last, right? And and now this this whole thing uh, is really coming apart because we know, you know, building something to last, given what we've seen in the last, you know, 10 years, just the evolution of technology, um, we, we've now moved into trying to figure out how to build something to evolve because 
as we as you rightly pointed out again back to the uh, back to the multiple balls you know, things bounce very differently um, mm-hmm. and opportunities are much more apparent than they used to be so we have to build our our processes to be much more flexible much more uh, ability to evolve than ever before and I think that's our that's our, our biggest challenge as all as well as our biggest opportunity. I think I have to use that racquetball analogy more often now that you, you and Tom like it so it much. I don't, I don't know where, where that came from. It's been decades since I played, but I was aware every single game, every shot was, was fresh and new and exciting. And, and that's where, that's what we want people to understand about this. Thank you. Got Tom, join us. Thoughts about what Paul just shared with us, please. Oh, it's an amazing um, example that he gave, right? Uh, and then the context goes back to specifically what you uh, mentioned in your opening statement, which is evolutionary mindset. Um, that is the core uh, because uh, people uh, always, and all of us human beings, will always do what we have learned over the past. Um, and that is good as well as that is bad. And the problem is when you are at a point of transformation, when you have to change your mindset, uh, when you have to adopt newer technologies, the ways that you have been doing things have to fundamentally change. So you have to learn new things. So this is at the core of change management. While, uh, um, uh, the, while the technology or the is being implemented and the transformation process is happening, there's a lot of planning done. But when you're making decisions uh, and building the case for the change itself, the mindset has to change right there. And that's exactly what Paul's alluding to. Thank you very much. Paul, any comments back to Gautam before I move on? No, I think, you know, as we're going to talk a lot about these opportunities, um, and, and, and most clients I talk about is, uh, you know, I talk about with is like, well, how do we make sure what, Makes made us great as an organization is continues to make us great into into the future, if you will, right? Um, and I, again, I always challenge uh, going back to your other point that you made around industries, whether mm-hmm. it's consumer products or an automotive or uh, you know even an energy company. There's a lot of cross breeding of ideas that are happening, so no one's sticking to their you know uh, their their old principles, if you will, around. This is what made us great, so therefore it's going to continue to make us great. They're, everybody's looking for examples from other industries, and, and, and it's because they can now, because those industries are they're great examples. There's great uses of technology. There's improvements to connect with the customer and the employees and better than before. Uh, and I think this is why we're seeing such a proliferation of, uh, of adoption um, that, we've, that, we're, that we're starting to really um, starting to see the, the true outcomes from. Thank you, Paul. Great points there and great points, Gautam. Gautam, I'm looking at your notes here. I'm looking at statement four you sent me. I think this is interesting. We talk about digital transformation. We talk about technology, but I don't think we've mentioned specifics yet. And people seem to get excited. We mentioned cloud, yes, but people get excited when they hear these new technologies. So let's just spend a couple minutes talking about this. You say technology is an enabler for enterprise transformation. Okay, we know that. Now, examples of proven technologies include cloud, RPA, that's robotic process automation, and machine learning to augment and automate low-value human tasks. And the, the subtext on that is people are afraid of losing their jobs. Well, retrain, relearn, reskill, and be ready for the new opportunities that will be jobs you'll enjoy more, will pay better, and will take you into the future. But Guatam, I added that on my own. Guatam also said adopting proven technologies during the transformation requires a fundamentally new way of thinking, needs bold decision-making, and executive stakeholder support. So, Gautam, could you talk about some of these exciting new technologies and uh, how the bold decision-making is involved? I think our listeners would appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, uh, So, again, technology is advancing at a pace that is phenomenal. Uh, I mean, uh, as an example, uh, it took over 200 years from typewriter to computer 30 years from PC to internet, and it took three years for a company that did not exist three years before to start existing and map the human brain completely, right? So I think that is that is all possible because of the available technology. 
But there's a catch here. There is always new technology that's coming in every single day. And then what mm-hmm. most of the enterprises do is get into this science lab experiment mode. They have small teams to go out and figure something out and they do something and then the priority changes and they just leave it out. So uh, any t- you cannot do uh, adopt technology uh, as a science lab experiment. Right? You have to do it at scale. And that is when the true value uh, is going to come in. And thus, the bold decision-making uh, comes into play. Because when you're adopting technologies like cloud, uh, you cannot think that it's your own data center and I'm going to exactly do like the way I'm doing it. You have to completely rethink the way uh, when you actually go to cloud. You have to completely rethink that in cloud, in an infrastructure as a service or platform as a service world, you can spin up, spin down, scale up, scale down at your will. And if you think that the, uh, the cloud is going to be like your data center, you will mm-hmm. never adapt uh, the, the full potential of, of the cloud, right? So and that's just one example. RPA uh, is another one. When you know that you're doing the process today in a certain way uh, and you're going to replace that with a bot, uh, there will be so much of uncertainty. Like, I, no, how can you do that? Right? I mean, nobody will understand the full potential of that. So. This is where the executive uh, thinking, the boldness is going to come in, trust and hope that this is going to truly transform because uh, these technologies are already doing that for uh, other industries, uh, competitors, etc. Uh, and that's exactly what I was trying to say that, you know, this bold decision making needed as well as focus on proven technologies rather than going into a science lab experiment mode for, to, to understand the value of every technology out there. Great point. Really, really important. Paul, join us. Thoughts, agree or disagree? I think I know which way you're going to go on this. So tell us a little more, please, Paul. Yeah, you know, I would say, though, you know, I think given the type of people we're seeing enter the workforce and the expectations of what the technology can be doing, I'm actually seeing a pull more Mm. uh, more so ever than, you know, before. You have a lot of young people coming in and saying, hey, I want to start my career, but I don't want to sit at a desk and do mundane accounts mm-hmm. receivable matching with goods receipts, et cetera. Why can't this be automated? Why can't we leverage machine learning more? And this is something that I think is really a, a big shift. It's the way that we're, we're, we're uh, looking at the type of people we're hiring, the type of opportunities now that the, um, you know, the technology is so accessible. So I would say... Uh, you know, slightly different than what Gotham put together uh, was saying that I think there's a big pull from uh, the workforce, from from the from the customers to do better, right? So if you're not using machine learning, you're not using RPA, you're missing out a huge potential opportunity um, to really become kinetic. And and the technology is not as complicated as we are led to believe. We think we hear machine learning, we think, oh, you know, you need a big Cray computer. You got a lot of uh, you know you know geniuses in a basement coming up with some <laughs> algorithms. You know my kids learn machine learning through video games, right? There's three or really? four video games out there that are using machine learning, um, you know, principles as part of how they play their games, right? They put together brand new worlds, they automate uh, patterns. Um, so you know our kids are learning it uh, uh, all the time. So it's no wonder to me that we're seeing uh, this big push around. You know, let's do some machine learning. It's not a scary technology. Let's do RPA because we know we can we can automate the mundane and get things, the basics out of the way uh, really quickly. Um, so I think it's happening faster, and it's actually happening, and we don't even know it's happening because it is all around us. That's exciting. I didn't know kids could learn machine learning through video games. That, can I ask how old are your yeah. kids? What kind of games do they play? Uh, well, you know, they're all into this Fortnite game. They're all into uh, um, a little big planet. I don't know if you've, if you've seen any of those things, but you know, I'll give you an example. Sony's uh, Little Big Planet uses uh, object-oriented programming. You know, so it uses real-world physics. So kind of, uh, kids could put together worlds, and they could put together, you know, drive a car down a cliff, and it accelerates. It, it flies off. It has physics, uh, you know, um, um, uh, capabilities as part of the programming. Um, so kids learn to put together pieces. They learn to put together different dynamics. And the uh, the software really helps them understand 
what's going to work, what's not going to work, and provides them a capability of creating worlds that you know the, their imaginations are unleashed. And the very same thing is happening in the business world. You know, we are looking at supply chains in ways that we never looked at before, before because we always thought there was a very you know static way of doing things um, mm-hmm. with machine learning. RPA, Intelligent Enterprise, all coming together, uh, you're getting a lot of new ideas. And a lot of these new ideas are coming from some of our younger folks who are coming in and saying, why not look at this way? Why aren't we um, you know, really pushing the envelope around what's possible versus what we know we, uh, we've always done before? There's the important human element. I'm just going to read a sidebar here. Little Big Planet, LBP, and it's all together, three words, capital L, capital B, capital P. It's a puzzle platform video game series created by Media Molecule and published by Sony Computer Entertainment on multiple PlayStation platforms. All of the games in the series put a strong emphasis on user-generated content and are based on the series' tagline, Play, Create, Share. I love that. Thank yeah. you. Guatam, are you aware of these games? Do you, do you or your, your family play these? Not those specific games. I, I'm very aware of those games. Uh, I'm a big gamer, at least I used to be, um, before I got dragged into this uh, traveling all over the place and digital transformation story uh, work. Um, uh, but yeah, completely agree uh, in the new ways. And this is exactly what uh, is also happening where the, uh, the baby boomers are transitioning the, the leadership over to the silent generation. Uh, but the new workforce, right? So the, the, they are uh, the, the new leadership that is uh, making decisions now have to not only consider uh, the dynamics that's happening around them with the technology shifts, but also the asks of Gen Z that is uh, joining the workforce and they want to fundamentally uh, mm-hmm. do work in a totally different way. I think that's exactly is the challenge for the, the new age of leaders that are just, you know, joining the ranks of C-suites. New age of leaders. I like that. By the way, gentlemen, there's a new game that released last week called Dreams, and it's called the video game that lets you make video games. In Dreams, the objective isn't to win a game, but to create one. Could it change the industry? This is an article in the NewYorker.com at just a couple days ago, February 19, 2020, by Simon Parkin. Just want to let you know that. Fascinating. Glad you brought it up, Paul. Interesting sidebar. We brought in the human element, the idea of who is entering the workforce, what are their requirements, their requests, what's the culture, how are they helping that transformation to evolve and move ahead. All great points. I want to move on to a statement, Paul, you sent me before the show. I think it's interesting because I mentioned a little bit about it in my opening and this needs to be defined so the question is what does it mean to shed technical debt let me just read a drop here you say organizations had a lot of leeway in building their legacy solutions if it didn't exist they built it if they didn't like how the system behaved they modified the code they added extensions on top of nice to have an ad hoc break fix solutions the technical debt stacked up paul take it over from there please tell us more yeah, I think you know this is this is a really important point because a, a lot of organizations that struggle with moving to cloud or some of the other progressive technologies um, is because you know they they've created an enormous amount of technical debt. Uh, and what technical? What is technical debt? Right? It's all those things that exist in your current legacy system that you know Johnny from forty fifty years ago created. No one knows how it works. Don't touch it. Um, you know, to, uh, you know, programs that, you know, it was a nice to have at the time. Somebody was bored, so they created it, and all of a sudden now it's pervasive in the DNA of the, of the organization. And there is multitudes of those kind of things that when I go into organizations and we look at those, look at those inventory, we're like, holy moly, right? There's a lot of stuff in here. Um, and, and guess what, guys? You created things. Uh, 20, 30 years ago that now you don't need to worry about because the technology just does that for you today. Um, there's a lot of this that are just, those isn't even relevant in the business world today, right? So it, it could be everything from archaic, you know, accounting principles to just the way things have always been done around here, so therefore they need to continue. Um, so what we're seeing around technical debt is having conversation with our, with our clients around, hey, you know, here are 
things you could eliminate right off the bat. Right? You, you eliminate these five things because now they are you know, included in the SAP S4 HANA suite. Uh, that you can immediately just enjoy, right? You don't have to write programs for it. You don't have to worry about support. Uh, it's an immediate cost savings to an organization because they don't have to worry about it anymore, right? You know, and then there are certain things, certain secret sauce things that have been written, um, and clients are very concerned about that. It's like, hey, this really helps me figure out a great compensation scheme for my Salesforce, or it's a, uh, it's a really important program, that links our suppliers to our to our um, our product and to our customers, et cetera. We're we're now seeing, as going back to what I said earlier, around an opportunity to take a lot of those um, you know secret sauce and put it into cloud platform uh, applications. And what I mean by that is, imagine you taking something, you're taking an old engine uh, out of an old Volkswagen, and say, but the engine still is really good, it's really important, but the infrastructure is falling apart. What if we move it to a brand new infrastructure? You still get the, the, the you still get the uh, outcomes that you're expecting, but in a more modern infrastructure that is lower maintenance, uh, is much more progressive, and just allows you to continue to evolve. Going back to that whole concept of you want to build things to uh, to be able to evolve, not you know monolithic. It's built to last. It's one and done. We're not in that space anymore. Um, so we're seeing a lot of opportunities to move technical debt. By reducing and eliminating all the all the stuff that is just not relevant anymore, uh, leveraging what's coming out of the box on you know the SAP technology in this example, and then moving the secret sauce into the cloud because you're able to kind of lower your costs and able to continue to evolve that solution um, as your business changes, as the, as the conditions change, et cetera. So you're really much more nimble, um, and I think that's really important is, is to, to becoming a really kinetic enterprise is to first tackle that issue of technical debt. Because if you don't tackle technical debt, you end up bringing all that stuff with you and you don't get the, the gains that you would expect as part of a big transformation program. Thank you very much, Paul. And I want to piggyback on what you said with something from Gautam's list. And you say, Gautam, a true transformation into a kinetic enterprise happens by staying true to the four core pillars. You want to give us a summary of those, please, Gautam? Yeah. The first one, obviously, um, uh, is what Paul was alluding to, which is the clean. Uh, your ERP needs to be clean. That's the first pillar. And the second pillar is your, uh, your ERP needs to be intelligent. And it's just not ERP. The ecosystem of the applications that run your enterprise needs to be intelligent. Um, the next one is responsive. Uh, the, if, you're, if your ERP is not responsive, which is telling you that you are they have to adopt um, the cloud uh, fully, embrace it fully, um, then you cannot be kinetic enterprise. And the last and most important one um, is inclusive, uh, which is not just focus on B2B or application to application, intelligent integration, but also the whole ecosystem, the human integration, the, the thing integration, and everything else the enterprise needs uh, to stay kinetic and adopt and evolve. Thank you very much. Very interesting, both of you. I'm looking at the clock. We have 10 minutes left. So let's see if we can... Oh, I have an interesting thing here. Uh, Paul, in your notes, you sent me an example, a case study. I don't think we've covered it yet. Zappo Shoes. You want to take us through how that works in terms of getting well, this whole thing about business results, th- their legendary status as an evolving enterprise? Paul? Yeah, I think Zappos is a great example of an organization that really, you know, made the connection between the employee experience and the customer experience. You know, our studies show that a direct correlation between customer satisfaction and employee satisfaction, um, there, that there is uh, a quotient, uh, there is a measure, you know. Uh, and I, I, I think, you know, it's typically a no-brainer. You think a five-star product must have a five-star employee experience, right? Not always, right? And we know that just one star... Uh, one way or another is millions of dollars, relatively speaking, uh, of revenue won and lost. Um, so it's no wonder we're looking at the employee experience to drive and mimic the customer experience because we, 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 we understand that. And Zappos uh, is a great example of that. You know, another client um, asked us to help optimize their production line, you know, as it was just inefficient, prone to delays, inconsistent qualities. You know, they came up with all these things that, you know, they felt were going wrong, you know. And we looked at the process, we looked at the data, 
and we really couldn't figure it out. Everything was working as it should, Bonnie. Like it was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. um, you know. But then we we looked at it differently, right? Um, we not only looked at the production schedule, we looked at employee demographics. We saw that the most employees who worked certain shifts lived in a select zip code. And we're like, oh, that's interesting, you know. And then we grabbed, you know, Waze Google Map data, and you know what we found? Those in those zip codes fought traffic coming and going, you know, to their shift. We're like, mm-hmm. well. You know that's uh, that's interesting. You know, we then we looked at the age of the workers and discovered many of them with young children in select school districts. So it turned out that you know single parents were often rushing out the door to pick up their kids on time, um, and and so the solution wasn't really a production problem. It was it was a parent problem, um, and by having machine learning develop an algorithm to develop the production line based on location traffic patterns. We immediately saw an uplift of 22% of productivity boost in the first month, rising to 36% just right after. And that's all because we looked at the human element, not just the people, uh, the, the production element. <clears throat> so you know, it was it was such a huge success. Uh, one of the one of the um, uh, the key outcomes of that, I, I think, you'd be interesting. You know, the company also realized that if they sponsored more after-school sports and academic programs. People didn't. Parents didn't have to rush home uh, or rush to the school. You know, it was a huge success, and it's a it's one of those things that I you know I look at as great pride uh, around. You know, you're doing something not only good for um, the, the company, you're doing great things for the employees, you're doing great things for the community, and you know, to me, that's part of being a kinetic enterprise. You're just you know mm-hmm. all the goodness that are coming out of a better transformed organization has uh, has a multiplier effect, and that's really. Uh, a lot of the goals of some of the organizations I'm looking at. They want to be more sustainable. They want to be much more conscious around uh, how to do good uh, with their employees and with their customers and looking at how to develop their products accordingly. So uh, I, I love that story because it really changes how I think people look at, you know, what are the opportunities and is it beyond just, you know, uh, widgets and gadgets uh, and where the human element really <laughs> plays into, into uh, an organization's ability to connect. Thank you, Paul. And and it's interesting to me that it's it was right there in front of them for the taking, for the discovery, right? It was something that they could find if they looked for that solution. And it's a culture thing. It's an employee thing. It's a community thing. It's a family thing. Have I checked all the boxes, Paul? How many places yeah, this, I, how many? I just don't think we're trained to look at those, right? We come no. out from all these MBA schools. We do all these. We're not trained to look at those elements, right? And and as I really look at the customer, product, employee experience, they're all related. Um, they are not; they don't exist without the other. Um, and I think this is something that most organizations are catching on. And as Gotson said before, around you know being being responsive, inclusive, um, and just being intelligent. All those things are really how organizations are leveraging it. Machine learning and an automated uh, RPA. We're seeing a much more of that being being responsive, leveraging the cloud, uh, whether it's Google or Amazon or, or Azure technologies to help the client scale, and to be inclusive. I think what we also thought was we had to solve it by one technology alone. We all have to be, mm-hmm. uh, we have to all be in, let's say, an Apple uh, shop, you know, God forbid if, you know, we, we, we bought technology that was that not compatible with Apple or we had Samsung phones, et cetera. But the world is moving towards interoperability, which means you can have um, multiple different technologies and there's a common layer that's going to bring all the data together, et cetera. And I think that's really exciting because it helps organizations move faster because they are able to you know, try smaller technologies that they wouldn't have otherwise tried before. Um, and I think this is what's really going to help people be kinetic because there's an opportunity for us to really pick the different sweet spots that make Mm -hmm. the organization tick and leverage the technology to bring it together. And, Paul, that reminds me of the very famous Maya Angelou quote, people may not remember exactly, she says, I learned that. People may not remember exactly what you did or what you said, but they will always remember how you made them feel. And the Zappos example is a perfect way of expressing that. Thank you. We have just a couple minutes left. I'm going to have Guatam do a, a summary of, of your thoughts on this, Guatam, and any predictions you want to make. Let's make this the crystal ball predictions lightning round. So, Guatam, I can give you about 90 seconds. How would you sum up where it is today and or where you see the evolution of the digital transformation of the Connecticut Enterprise 
between now and let's say 2025. 90 seconds. Gautam Malavarapu, go ahead. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I think um, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm not been a great predictor in my life, but uh, I, I always see patterns, uh, right? So, uh, one, there is, uh, we, we spend a lot of time at Deloitte uh, in coming up uh, with the kinetic enterprise and why the four pillars are important. It is not something we just put it out, uh, you know, started writing it, right? I mean, it's based on fundamental research, experience, or collective thought. Uh, and it's very essential as we see uh, the change that's been happening. Uh, the enterprises um, in 1960, um, the S&P 500, there were, uh, they used to, they used to be, there's like the, the, the big companies used to survive at an average of 28 years. Um, now it is very, very, very short. It, it's, it's in the range of like 14 years and some industries just eight years. Um, so it is fundamentally, uh, altering and it's all because of these changes that are happening around the enterprises, right? So, um, what, when, uh, what is happening is uh, um, enterprises are not being kinetic. Um, mm-hmm. So if, if you're going to say that is the large pattern, and if I have to predict, um, that is where I'm going to go, which is enterprises that are not kinetic, which are not able to adapt uh, to the surrounding, the changing dynamics, the asks um, by the society and uh, uh, the, the people, your customers, um, you're not going to survive. Uh, and then all I'm going to do is summarize by quoting another, uh, um, you know, a great line from my favorite movie, Shawshank Redemption, which yes. is get busy living or get busy dying. There you go. We have to close. Thank you. Paul, I'm going to use your example of Zappos as as a prediction that more companies need to look, use technology, use transformation, and look at the human side, and it'll be a win-win all the way around. I want to thank both of you so much, Paul Kana, Senior Principal in Deloitte's Global SAP Consulting Practice, and Gautam Mailavarapu, Senior Manager in Deloitte Consulting LLP. And thank you to the team who put this together, Malia Aguilar, Carla Neil Slavin and Helen Thomas, thank you. And thank you to Aaron Engineer, my engineer extraordinaire with Nerves of Steel at World Talk Radio, Voice America, the business channel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Thanks for listening. Remember, the kinetic enterprise built to evolve. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the kinetic enterprise built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com slash SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.